welcome to this week's episode of the Cross Cemetery. I hope you've had a lovely Christmas, or if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you enjoyed the time off work if you got some. Did you have a good Christmas, Josh? Yeah, it was good. We we hosted for the first time ever, and we had a lot of people. We got a, I thought it was fairly not large house, but a, a, an okay sized house, and it turns out we don't. It's really small. I think it was just because we didn't have enough table and chairs. <laughs> What, yeah. Did you get anything nice for Christmas? Lego. <laughs> did you get anything nice for Christmas? No. no I, I got a Dyson wrap off Josh because I've been begging for one for... Apparently all our problems are solved now. Yeah, they are. According um, to Emma's description of us throughout 2022. Currently got a hair mask on, ready to do my hair tomorrow. I'm sipping a Bailey's, so very festive. And Christmas limbo. Yeah. <laughs> a bit between Christmas and New Year when no one really knows what's happening. It's the best time. Yeah. So, this week's episode, I will be leading, I've done the research on, and we're going to be talking about schools. So, jumping into this topic, I know that for some, school and the education system can be horrifying, even without a paranormal twist thrown in. This may be down to a multitude of things, such as bad teachers, bullying, and learning difficulties. All of which I acknowledge and completely sympathise with, but that isn't what we're here to talk about today. What we're going to be talking about is that shadow you saw in the corner of your eye while walking down the hallway while everyone else was in class. Or that time you found yourself in familiar surroundings of the dining hall, but following a parent-teacher evening, all is quiet and still. The sun has gone down outside and the dull synthetic amber light from above isn't quite providing enough illumination to put your mind at ease as it races at a million miles per hour. Tension building as you feel like you're being watched from the many points of cover that the tables and food counters provide. We're going to explore why schools, places that are meant to be happy and educational, are so creepy. Those establishments that are critical to moulding the minds of tomorrow, why is it that there is an unbearable feeling of anxiety when you find yourself in a quiet area alone? So do you have any experiences from school or any any educational, not necessarily school, maybe college or university, where you thought it felt paranormal? Well, I can't really remember it in great detail, but when I was in primary school, we were in, like, before it's built now, we were in the original one. Like, my nan used to teach there as well. That's how old it was. Mm. Um, and I remember just that, like, that used to just smell old, smell. if you know what I mean. Like, it just used, like, it just was weird. And then when it got but knocked down and then we had another building and that was that seemed fine um, I did go to John Moore's I know that's renowned for being haunted but I don't know much about it I just remember going on our tour and he, well, on the day and he said something about it um, I just don't think schools have a nice atmosphere anyway I think there's always a kid crying or a kid getting bullied so so just because you don't like children doesn't mean schools aren't a nice place I like children I just don't like school well, okay. didn't like school. I don't met you there, so that's quite cute. Ah. <laughs> well, something that I came across when doing my research is something that I had almost forgotten most for the most part, and you've just just touched on it, and it's relevant to the both of us as we were both students there once. It is also very conveniently on brand to the whole being from Liverpool thing, <laughs> our our old university, Liverpool John Moores. Ah. So now reading through the different bits of research did bring back memories that I can fully sympathise with the building yeah. being very creepy. I genuinely didn't know you were going to talk about that, so that's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was like one of the first things I came across. It was weird. 
There is one particular building, the John Foster building, which I will put a picture up. We, we went recently and took a picture, didn't we? So I can put it up on yeah, the social media you. so you've got an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, That's where most of my classes were as well, to be honest. And my lecture always used to say it was like Harry Potter style. Yeah, it's ridiculous inside. We didn't obviously get pictures of the inside because no. we can't go in. <laughs> we probably would have been allowed, you know, <laughs> showing our old passes and they would have been like, yeah, student. Yeah, we haven't used them passes in years. <laughs> yeah. So the John Foster building sits on on the Hope Street and Mount Pleasant in Liverpool City Centre. Yeah, it's on Mount Pleasant, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a grade two listed building that before becoming a university was a Catholic teachers training college run by the Sisters of Notre Dame. Dame? 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 Notre Dame, I'd say. The building itself dates back to the mid-19th century and while having suffered in certain part from unsympathetic modernisation, does have some beautiful features remaining. Most notably is a small but grand staircase which sits centrally to the building at what once was the main entrance. Yeah, that that's where I used to have to go up like every day and there's like a corridor, obviously because it's stairs. I feel like while I've done this and I've written the fucking descriptions for everything, you don't need to go into it. And, <laughs> I was just thinking what it was like. Chop it all down and just do whatever you want. No, I just remembered that, okay. was, that was where I'll, I had to go I'll, every day. I'll speak what I've written down and if I haven't touched on something, okay. you add it at the end. So as you ascend the stairs, there are two landings that run parallel on each side, which allow you to do a 180 degree turn when, and come back on yourself once you've, once you've climbed the stairs. Before coming to those landings, however, there are these incredible wooden doors that actually follow the curve of the wall. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. <laughs> they seem really old and covered in years of gloss blue paint to keep with the LJMU colour scheme, but the actual structure of them is amazing because they have never, I've never seen since seen doors that actually curve around about like 45 degrees to make it like, in keeping with the, the shape of the wall. Mm-hmm. So it makes it all look smooth, but the, these doors are basically curved. Given that the university didn't seem to have any care for the original use of those doors, they are now the entrances to toilets. Beside that, from memory, I can recall the building was pretty difficult to navigate, especially on those early days of uni when you're brand new and tension is coursing through you without the added pressure of random staircases that seem to move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also remember going for like a prospectus day where they lay on an event potential students who are going to attend the university or may attend the university. This was held in the chapel part of the building, which is... Honestly, just the church thrown onto the sides. Of it, it, it harps back to the religious past. Of, of oh, yeah, the, I remember that. I used to have a lecture in there. Yeah. It was freezing. It's a big room. Yeah. With such history and the Gothic-themed architecture, it is no wonder that lots of students and visitors alike believe the place to be haunted. It is even mentioned in Tom Sleeman's Haunted Liverpool books, and as a result of all the speculations and stories, the university themselves actually decided to do a paranormal investigation. Did they? <laughs> While the university didn't actually find anything conclusive, there was a space of staff members who adhered to the fact that there is an atmosphere that shrouds the building. The team conducting the investigation visited the top floor of the John Foster building that was at the time disused. They didn't find anything untoward or ghostly, but again, the feeling was there. Potentially this was due to going into an area that was no longer in use, but that had remnants of what once was. So if you go on the website, I'll leave a description. 
there's like images of like random desks. There's like bits of random documents and bits of paper on the floor and things yeah. getting dusty. It just seems a bit like like a storage area. Yeah. So sorry, the cats are having a little fight in the background. <laughs> so Josh has just got a toy car on them. <laughs> it's not my toy car. <laughs> The Knowledge Academy rated LJMU as the joint fourth most haunted university in the UK based on age, cemeteries nearby, number of graves in those cemeteries and the number of listed buildings within a close vicinity, which is quite a, a strange way to rate it as haunted, yeah. even though it, doesn't, it does not consider... like A list of buildings doesn't have to be haunted, does it? <laughs> it just means it's probably old. So it might be then, because it's old. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically based on how many dead people are around yeah. and... There is quite a lot, like, does the, um, is it Paddy's Wig one, the cathedral by it? Oh, yeah. Um, and then, does the Everyman, isn't there? We out in an old part of the city. Yeah, yeah, so there's quite a lot, there is quite a lot around it. We walked around it the other day, but it was raining. Yeah. <laughs> so, despite this and our personal feelings surrounding the place, there is very little in the way of concrete evidence to conclude that LJMU, and namely the John Foster building, is definitely haunted. But on the same note... There is no concrete evidence to say that it isn't, and I am definitely in the camp of saying it is haunted. I remember my lecture, like when you said about the staircases moving, when we went through our tour, it was like, these will never be in the same place that I've just told you. And like, I used to get lost every day. I went there for four years, lost. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's hard to explain it without showing somebody yeah. the building, because I know exactly what you mean, because you, you go in one direction and... Like the hallways, they went, they went in a straight line. No. Like they sort of like zigzagged and yeah. came back on each other. Or and then you just come to like random doors. Yeah, there'd just be <laughs> doors that lead to nothing. Yeah, which is again, I don't think maybe the original design. I think that's due to modernization yeah. and adapting the building to what it to, to suit needs of yeah. up to date. But it, there's definitely something there. Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. It was hard maybe. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, but you, you wouldn't know because it's university and there's a lot of strange things happening in university anyway. Like, yeah. if you walked into a in, into that building, because there isn't, like, a set... Um, so the John Foster building, there isn't really a set subject that is based in there. So if you walked in one day and saw someone in, like, a really mad old-fashioned costume, you probably wouldn't be too surprised because I think the theatre building is quite close to it. Yeah, it's opposite. The performing arts Yeah, yeah. So it might just be... It might just be a student, or it could be a ghost. <laughs> so, to further explore this topic, I have some stories for you that I'll read through, and at the end I'll give you some theories to try and bring the heart rates down and make ourselves feel better. <laughs> try and explain it away. So, the first story is night, about Night Mute High School. This takes us to Alaska, USA. The city in question is Night Mute, a small city with a population of just over 300, so fair to say it's quite a small city. Would you even class it as a city? 300 people? No, I mean, it's quite, sounds quite spooky anyway. Yeah, the name. <laughs> oh, it's not going well for me. This place is on the brink of the infamous Alaskan wilderness, and just from a quick look on Google Maps, it doesn't look like this place is accessible by road. There is an airport and quite a few bodies of water that may allow for access by boat. In the very imaginatively named Nightmute High School, there is said to be a total of five teachers that do their utmost to educate the 99 students that attend Monday to Friday. But if the stories are to be believed, there is potentially a 100th student. 
You see, under the floor of room 106, they found a grave. Since the discovery of the grave, the students and teachers have reported a multitude of activity that simply cannot be explained. From time to time, those brave enough to venture alone into the toilets of Nightmute High School are confronted with the disembodied sounds of a girl humming a pleasant tune that is received by the living occupants as a sinister melody, indicating that they are not alone. Furthermore, those brave enough to speak up have told their accounts of a mysterious girl wandering the halls of the school. These relayed encounters vary from brief glancing appearances through to some swearing that the girl is full-bodied and was actually there. Some have even gone as far as to say they have left basketballs in the gym only to find them in a completely different place the next day which would have defied all logic and known physics for a ball just to bounce into a different position by itself. Despite being a small and close-knit school, it is clear that something or someone is roaming through the halls and lavatories of Nightmute High School. Something or someone that doesn't feature on the attendance register. Could this be the real-life Moaning Myrtle? Hmm. See, I don't really think that about the ball spell, because... Um, if you put a ball down, a gust of wind or something could go on it, and then it could move. Yeah, so potentially the door gets slammed, that yeah. creates a gust Yeah, I, I know what you mean. But then, about the grave, could they dig it up, or...? Let's leave that to the theories part at the end. Okay, then. So, the second story we're going to cover is Gettysburg College. So our next tale takes us further south to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, famous the world over for being the location as one of the turning points in the American Civil War of 1861 to 1865. Gettysburg has thrived on its violent history since the Unionist defeat. Unionists defeated the Confederates there in 1863. Constructed in 1832, Gettysburg College is known as a private liberal arts college and is proud of its illustrious history and links to prominent figures such as Abraham Lincoln. Among its 225-acre campus is Pennsylvania Hall. It's also known as Penn Hall or the Old Door. Constructed back in 1838, the building had a relatively short life as a building for academic use before it was quickly commandeered to be used as a military hospital by both sides during the Civil War. According to reports from former students and staff members, on occasion, when taking the elevator down to the basement level of Penn Hall, it is said that you can step back in time and enter the gruesome scenes of a wartime hospital. One former student relays that he entered the elevator as he would do on any other day and pressed a button to go down to the basement level. After around 30 seconds of slow humming coming from the elevator mechanism, the metal box came to a halt, presenting a cheery ding to signify another completed journey. The sliding doors then opened with a quick jolt of first, followed by a smooth, synchronised motion. Undeterred from his day-to-day routine, and also not really paying attention, the student began to step forward when he was halted in his track. Not by force, but by shock. The scene that was laid out in front of him was, in his own words, like something out of a movie. The vast room was lit by the dull orange glow of gas lamps, Around were a sea of beds, all providing some respite for the wounded soldiers 
that had given their all fighting for their vastly different ideologies. Hustling about were nurses, but not in the modern sense of light green or navy blue uniforms with functional pockets and a little watch hanging from the chest pocket. But nurses like you would see in a time long ago, with dresses that swept across the floor as they walked, aprons grotesquely decorated with the aftermath of the soldiers' injuries and no real medical equipment to speak of. The scene was horrifying, complete stillness came over the students. He was shocked by what he was witnessing. This was not meant to be here, and he knew that he did not belong there. After what felt like an age, something broke the trance of the students. After what felt like an age, something broke the trance of the students. It was the elevator. The polite ding was signalling that the doors were now about to return to their natural closed position. The students allowed this to happen, but as soon as the doors completed their closing routine, he smashed the open button to make sure that what he had witnessed was real and that he wasn't going mad. Again, the courteous ding sounded, but this time, once the doors had opened, the scene that greeted the student was normal. No distress, no wounded soldiers, just a plethora of desks and books like he had originally expected. This story has been corroborated by separate experiences that occurred to completely different people, at different times and who were in the college for different reasons. Exploring our way into a different part of the college, we stumble across Stevens Hall. This building is used as a residency hall and houses around 50 students that are embarking on their educational journey. First opened in 1868, this building was originally used as a preparatory school for students looking to go on and attend the college. Given its age, it's not surprising that on more than one occasion there have been experiences in the building. One tale tells of a charitable act that went horribly wrong. During a particularly harsh winter, the students of the prep school that were staying in Stevens Hall came across an orphan roaming the streets outside. With ragged clothes and no shoes, the orphan had no protection to the elements and would certainly perish if not properly cared for. Taking pity on the orphan, the students decided to sneak him into their lodgings at Stevens Hall to ensure that he was kept warm and no harm would come to him. The plan was going well and the boy was settling down for the night when the hall warden caught wind of what was going on from the whispers of other students. A full search then ensued. Rooms were turned upside down, cupboards ripped open and each bed looked under. In an effort to keep the orphan boy safe, the students hurried him out of their third story window to a temporary safe haven on the ledge that overhung the building. The warden came and went, satisfied that the stories that were culminating around Stephen's hall of an extra resident were false. A sigh of relief washed over the dorm room and the students hurried back to the window to let the orphan back in from the cold. But when they opened the window and poked their head out to lend a hand, he was gone. There was no trace of what happened to this boy or his fate, he simply disappeared. Although, according to students that live there now, the poor orphan hasn't truly gone. Tales of the blue boy still emanate around campus. These tales relay that on particularly cold nights, the dreary blue face of a young boy can be seen through the windows of Stevens Hall. That same window he was led out of, so the warden didn't catch him, three stories high. Oh God. I was about to say, like, after you'd read the story, 
<clears throat> Are you sure that the orphan's real? But then he said it. <laughs> so the basis of that story, or like that last bit of the story, was meant to have happened like in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, from what I can gather. Yeah. So. So how old is that orphan then? I believe it's a ghost, am I? <laughs> I don't think it has an age. No, I know, but like you said, the last bit of the story. Yeah, because there was like two stories to that bit. So one was a bit more modern, where he went down as like the sort of time slip in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. That was more of a modern story. And the second bit was a story from, from long ago. Okay. So we're moving on to the final story, which has been entitled The Toilet Demon. Oh, God. That's for you after your Christmas dinner. <laughs> that is. Vulgar, disgusting. <laughs> really and I think you need to wash your mouth out with soap and water. I'll just wash it out with Bailey's. <laughs> so shifting over to a completely different part of the world, we find ourselves in Japan. This is not so much a tale, but a legend that is written into the folklore of Japanese culture. The basis of this legend has no set origin, but is rumoured to have stemmed from the Second World War. One account relays that on a lunch break at school, a group of friends were playing hide-and-seek. One of the girls in the group ventured to the third floor of the building into the toilets and along to the third cubicle. Shutting the door over but not locking it, the girl put her feet onto the bowl of the toilet so from the outside the cubicle looked unoccupied. A few moments of airy silence passed. That is when the tragedy struck. A platoon of enemy planes flew overhead, filling the air with the low rumble of large engines. But that wasn't the only sound to emanate down to the school. Soon the dreaded whistle of bombs being deployed began to sound. The ground became littered with craters, the aftermath of high-speed explosions etching their mark into the landscape. Nothing other than roads and infrastructure had been demolished up until this point, but the trail of craters could be seen heading toward the school. Children were fleeing in panic. Teachers were attempting to make an orderly rush to the bomb shelter, protecting as many of the vulnerable infants as possible. Despite the teacher's best efforts to round up all the children, one still remained absent. As the projectiles edged closer to the school, bricks began to become dislodged, windows shattering until a direct hit on the third floor toilets, cubicle three to be exact. Nobody knew she was there, nobody could go and save her, but what remains unknown is why she didn't leave the anonymity of her hiding place when commotion could be heard and there was an obvious danger looming. However, these are questions that are destined to be left unanswered. But while these questions may not be answered, that doesn't mean the little girl who met her demise cannot be found. Legend has it that if you were to go to the third floor toilets, tread carefully down to the third cubicle, and knock three times. Following the third knock, it is said that a small pale hand creeps around the door, mm. gripping the edge and gently pulling it back, revealing a small girl of around 12 years old. Dressed in a bright red dress, something is off about this girl, she isn't facing you, and her distressed hair hangs low over her face. <sighs> Despite the innocence that childhood brings, something is definitely off about her. 
Allegedly, if this happens to you, and you are foolish enough to see if the girl is still in the third cubicle of the toilets on the third floor, this will be the last act of your earthly existence. Dependent on which variation of legend you read, you will be dragged into hell through the toilet, <laughs> murdered, or fed to a three-headed lizard. What? This is the gruesome legend of Hanako-san. Oh. Now, although the aftermath of the victims of Hanako-san is quite vague, the beginning of the legend does have an element of continu- continuity wherever you read it. The majority of accounts begin with a World War II bombing or plane crash. Regardless where you read the story, one thing is for certain. I know I won't be venturing up to the third floor toilet anytime soon. Or knocking three times. Or knocking three times. Like, where does the number three come into it? Well, there's three threes, so third floor toilets, third cubicle, three knocks. Yeah. Maybe because that's half of 666. Yeah, maybe. Is is Hinako-san the grudge? No, but it's very similar. Yeah. So... I imagine the image. Well, if you Google it, the images are very. Yeah, I so I like stuff like that, like the ring. It gave me like images of the ring, but I wouldn't have a telly in my room after I seen the ring for so long. <sighs> I think I seen the ring. Just a bad parent. And when I was like nine, I didn't get a telly in my room until I was like sixteen. <laughs> I do. I do see what you're saying. I think the. They take elements from each other. Yeah. So th- with this... It's like past on. Yeah. Th- with this, with Hanako-san, th- it's in a toilet. It's yeah. in a third cubicle in the third floor toilets. There's like no other... Yeah. Th- and also, can't find out the location of the school, so that's sort of like... Yeah, and it's not like passed on, is yeah. it? Like... There's discrepancies in the ritual of, of summoning Hanako-san as well. So obviously I mentioned the aftermaths mm-hmm. are, are different depending on where you read it. The rituals are sometimes different as well. So you, it's not always three knocks. Right. That might be part of it. It might not even exist. You know, yeah. Whichever variation you you come across. Yeah. Um, you find that with stories like that. Don't you? Yeah. So the, with that last one, that is more of a folklore. Yeah. Sort of. It was scary though. <laughs> I think it's more of a, like you know a Bloody Mary type thing. Yeah. That that sort of stuff. Yeah, because that's you say Bloody Mary three times as well. Yeah, so... And Beetlejuice. I know it's not the same, but you say that three times. I wonder if the, the three has got... So three is the witching hour as well. Three yeah, yeah. But I think with that one, because there's three sets of threes. Yeah, they've done like six, six, six. Yeah, that's, and it could be the gateway to hell. Mm-hmm. So she could take you to hell through the toilet. Yeah, or feed you to a three-headed... A three-headed three-head, lizard. Yeah. Which that's I wonder, three-headed as well. Yeah, I wonder if there's... There's obviously something about three. Yeah. But anyway, just dating, going back to the, the first story of Nightmute, mm-hmm. you'd think you touched on it briefly. There was no date when the body was found, and there was no reason that I could find as to why. Oh, she was buried. No, well, I'm thinking it, it could potentially be a, a legitimate burial. Um, so it could have been like a, a Native American who was um, living in the area and was yeah. buried in the, in the ground. Yeah. That could be it, but it doesn't really explain any of the stories or any of the the articles that I read why they were digging. Were they doing like a yeah, extension? Yeah. Was were, were they digging while they were building? I don't understand. I can't find why. Basically, because at first I thought it was like they didn't mean to find her, 
Like, um, like she wasn't meant to be buried there and maybe they should have put her back. That's why I was asking you, like, did they dig her up? But... Yeah, well that's the other thing. It, it doesn't really explain what happened to, yeah. to the body afterwards either. So, like I mentioned, I do have theories, three theories in total to go over and sort of explain. I did say they might like lower our heart rates and explain away, <laughs> but theory number one does not do that. In capital bold letters, they are 100% haunted. Oh yeah. So, going straight for the jugular with this first theory, but I think it does have a pretty solid basis. So my first point is that a lot of schools are pretty old. Granted, they often have add-ons here and there, but for the main part, the, the sections of school that will be yeah. many decades old at least. And being schools, this means that they have been potentially thousands of students passing through their doors. Of these students, I think it's pretty fair to assume that at least some part of attending this, like, their school experience was traumatic, stressful, emotional. Yeah. Well, you're going through, like, a, such an age change as well. I know that doesn't sound... But, like, you start in high You start school quite young. Yeah. And then you leave it, like, 16, 18. And, like, mm. like, we, like we've said in other ones, and we'll probably touch on again, poltergeists seem to become a, like seem to target like teenagers don't they like because they're at such like an emotional that emotions like heightened mm. specifically teenage girls yeah, seem, yeah. seem to be more susceptible to that type of thing so that is also part of it I guess yeah but there are bodies of research that suggest that those who reach a state of high emotions are more likely or prone to seeing a ghost or having a paranormal experience yeah Given in one particular article, it did reference extreme conditions like mountaineers who reach places of low oxygen levels, leading to a chemical imbalance that leaves them more susceptible to the paranormal. But could it not be easily translated over to a distressed student? A quick point on this is that the research reference is from Psychology Today, who also notes that your actual belief in the paranormal will allow or disallow you to feel like you're having a paranormal experience. Yeah. I. If you don't believe in it, you can't experience it to start with. Yeah, if you don't believe in it, you'd just think it was like the building or something, wouldn't you? Or... Yeah. But added to this, if you do find yourself in a part of a school alone, it is very plausible that you'll feel a bit creeped out because you're so used to those same places being filled with people, noise and chatter. Mm. Once that has all disappeared and there's no echoing voices or footsteps parading the corridors, who wouldn't feel a bit uneasy? Well, yeah, it would anyway, wouldn't you? Really, like I, I do believe in it, but I'm just like, like, like if it's just me in the house, I do feel not uneasy, but it's a bit like, oh, what was that? Do you know what yeah, I mean? your senses are heightened. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. So you would, especially with it being such a large building, you would feel. School's not a house. Yeah. <laughs> As I we wish. touched on. <laughs> Um, so theory number two is to do with the students and pranks, basically. Mm. So I don't think this one takes too much explanation. While I think it may cover off a lot of events that happen in school, I don't think it, ex it can explain everything. The crux of this theory is that throughout school you are bound to hear a plethora of rumours or tales that have been passed down from older generations of students to the new ones coming in. A sort of cemented folklore in school culture of unworldly things that happen in certain rooms or why certain areas are off limits. 
Following on from this, it is not realistic that from time to time the kids in the school are going to play pranks based on the rumours that float around the school, trying to catch somebody off guard and get a reaction from them. While I believe without a doubt that this happens, this still doesn't cover off the whole topic for me. There's definitely more to it. Like, why do we get anxious in quiet places? I think it's because you're alone with your thoughts. <laughs> I think that's a separate topic. That... No, I feel like like you'll overthink things. So like you'll hear a noise, and like people who don't have like a paranormal belief will just like oh it's the building. But if you've got like if you've got like that belief like embedded in, you're like oh god. What yeah. Was that? that was. But I know from the schools that I went to. It makes it sound like I moved around a lot. The two schools I went to, <laughs> primary and high school. You went to college in uni, though. Yeah. But with the schools, I remember like the heating systems and, and yeah. most parts were old. Yeah. Really old. Thinking back, actually, the two schools I went to both had like, major renovations done to them after I'd left. Yeah. Well, mine, our, our high school, my nan went to that school. She? Yeah, she went to she went to that one, like that actual one. So, like... Oh. She remembers like the showers in the gym because she came with me on the like the open day when you're in primary school. Oh yeah. And she remembers like the PE like showers. Alright. So Fair enough. So one last theory and it is sedate phobia. So linking into this last theory, we come to what may be the true explanation for why we think schools are haunted when they may not be. So a lot of the basis for my thinking and experiences have been that when you find yourself in a school that you may attend every day, but at this particular time the place is empty and there is a silence in the air, that is when the school is most creepy. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a phrase for it, sedate phobia. Although I can't find much in the way of actual medical background to it, essentially this condition is caused by being in places that are really quiet or silent. And what follows from this can be described as panic attacks. Yeah. I think this is particularly applicable to schools though, as even if the person having the experience would be as susceptible to symptoms of sedephobia at home or anywhere else, a school can bring out a certain level of it. Like I mentioned, they're usually busy, loud places, but if you take that prerequisite away, would that not catch most people off guard? If it was quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically take, you're completely changing the circumstances. Yeah, because you, you expect it to be loud, don't you? You expect loads of people. You expect. Exactly. So you, you're a bit like, what's going on? Is so it, your senses feel like this in is, shock. Yeah, of. this is not my, this is not the usual. Yeah. The, this isn't the norm for this area. Yeah. Of course, if this should happen and the sufferer does have a panic attack, this can obviously lead to the usual symptoms of feeling disorientated accelerated heart rate, and also suffering feeling of fright. To me, although it may not cover those cases that are certainly out there of real ghosts in schools, this is the best explanation I can find that may explain why schools are so creepy. Yeah. So essentially that theory is you have a mini panic attack when you're in an area of a school that you're used to being really loud, uh, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's not, it's, it's quiet. So you cause our guard, essentially. I think a lot of places in school could be quite haunted as well, because, you know, a lot of people, as I don't really mean now, but, because um, I, I can't think of any from our school, but, like, some people, their best years were in high school. 
they never like got better after school. So they might go back there. I don't know if that's Yeah, I sort of get what you mean. So like their lives lives are in general peaked in high school. And like they've always tried to get back to that. So like they like haunt that place because they feel better like that. Or some people might have died young. Maybe yeah, or maybe it's the opposite of that. Maybe that was the most traumatic part, the most emotional yeah. part. So that's why they like in a limbo there. Yeah, if their soul or, or their spirit goes back, that's yeah. that's the reason why because yeah. that is where they suffered the most potentially. Yeah. A lot of people do. So yeah, like yeah, a I'm lot like, of people do. I hated school. I wasn't like really bullied or anything, but it was, it just wasn't a nice time. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Too many people. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like you were saying about there's a prank, there was always like a prank going on, wasn't there? Yeah, you always, you always had to be on guard, you always had to be thinking about things, which... It was fun it, in a way. Yeah, I think it's like part of childhood, but at the same time, thinking back, you just think, that how distracting is yeah. that? You you go there to learn, which sounds really boring, <laughs> but you go there to learn and then you're just thinking about... Oh God, he's going to get yeah. me a shaving photo. <laughs> but, but then again, it's your kids, that's all you do. But then I do remember there was a brief, a brief story, not a story, like a rumour that some girl like hung herself in one of the bathrooms or the geography rooms or something and that, that went round. But like there wouldn't have been any concrete evidence. But like I think there's always stuff like that, like people just make something up. And then yeah, there's always, I think in every say, every school or every big institution. You try and scare like the year sevens or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think even if they like, say... You worked in a, a really big office, yeah, or or a big massive company that had a huge mm. huge space or whatever. There's always going to be this rumors flying yeah. about it. There can't really be cemented to anything. There's no real evidence, like you say, but it's it's always just flying around a bit of it. It, it kills some time. We all like a ghost story. <laughs> I don't. No, no, no. Oh, don't yeah. No. Um. Oh well. That's, on that note. That's awkward. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing this then. <laughs> yeah. But just to conclude, I think that there's definitely some schools that have like real ghosts. Yeah, because like you said, that most of them are old buildings. Yeah. That so they've been built on. So like that could have disturbed the peace at all, or like you said in the yeah, second story. Well, that's true actually, I didn't think about it. that the adding to the old building that this sort of because yeah. they say like Building work can lead to high paranormal activity yeah, because yeah. you're basically disturbing the environment. Yeah. You're, you're creating you could, an unrest. Yeah, or you could find something. I wonder if it's not the actual building being unrested. It's like the grounds. No, it's the emotions of the people that live there. So say we're getting building work done. Yeah. It's a bit stressful for us, so our stress levels yeah. are heightened. So we're more susceptible to paranormal activity then. That's probably it, you know, like, because poltergeist and even bad ghosts, they, like you said, they feed on people who are vulnerable, don't they? Yeah. So that could be it. Well, there you go, we've just solved ghosts. <laughs> We're finished now with our podcast. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> the society of ghost people trying to find answers can just send our million pounds now. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, <laughs> so um, you can find us on... Twitter at AX the Cemetery, TikTok AX the Cemetery, and Instagram is Across the Cemetery. We don't have a Facebook and we probably won't. Um, but thank you for listening and hope you have a happy and safe new year. Yeah.
you can also email us if you want to because Emma just never ever says that it's across the cemetery <laughs> at gmail.com and if you'd like to leave us a review it'd be much appreciated yeah okay. all the best for 2023 bye bye it in words it looks okay but then when I'm saying it it's not in how I speak Loki shut the fuck up again the courteous thing sounded but this time sorry there was a notification came on blocked what I was reading